This podcast episode is brought to you by the Spiritual Care Association. Please join us April 12th through the 14th at the Caring for the Human Spirit Conference and Westberg International Symposium. Experience cutting-edge topics to enhance your spiritual care practice at the premier spiritual care forum. This inspirational and transformative three-day conference is designed to provide spiritual care providers, including hospice specialists, with the skills, best practices, and research that can advance their career and improve optimal care for those in need. To learn more, visit www.spiritualcareassociation.org conference and register today. Welcome to this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. My guest is Charles James Parker. James, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here, sir. Yeah, could you introduce yourself officially to our audience? Officially, I am Chaplain Charles James Parker, and I am the new director of Hospice Division for the Spiritual Care Association. So, James, um, tell us, where did you grow up? Uh, So, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. Um, I went ahead and, and went on to active duty in the Air Force in the 90s and so i was prior active duty air force for over 17 years i've been in ministry for over 12 years and my chaplaincy background includes oncology uh, acute care palliative care and hospice and from there i went on to earn a master's in divinity and chaplaincy a doctor of education and pastoral counseling and i have the honor of being a board certified chaplain advanced practice board certified chaplain with hospice and palliative care certification. And I have the privilege of currently serving as a hospice chaplain and bereavement coordinator in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I'm in the process of building a a new chaplaincy and spiritual care education department for a a large home care and hospice company. Um, And just recently took on a, a new position as an adjunct professor for the University of Theology and Spirituality. So I'm staying pretty busy. So how did your calling uh, to hospice ministry start? Well, I, well, I, I originally, you know, answered the call of ministry while I was deployed uh, to Afghanistan. I was preparing for forward deployment at a Fort McCoy. And, um, you know, I was doing my, my regular daily prayer and meditation and and i just you know i just received that that impulse that 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 weight and uh and from then on i I went forward and and started preaching and teaching and doing bible studies and in theater and eventually wound up going to seminary and and worked as a as an associate pastor and pastor for a number of years in different churches and um, I, I think what happened was I, I enrolled in CPE, and mm-hmm. at during that CPE, uh, I realized that clinical chaplaincy was the direction for me to go, and uh, I, I was I was all in. I was sold out. So uh, uh, the story is still being written. So uh, where in your clinical pastoral education, what happened that made you feel, you know what, this is my true calling. This is my being being a hospice chaplain? Well, it, it's a, it was a series of events because I was working at a pretty large hospital in South Mississippi. And um, 
they were just getting their their palliative care department up and running. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I was kind of went out to that department to to be part of that interdisciplinary team. And it was it was my first interaction in that setting and being side by side with the different disciplines. And it, it was just so fascinating to me going around the table, talking about all the aspects of a patient and, you know, really getting into give and take and dialogue uh, about, you know, needs of the family and, um, you know, advanced directives and, and, and patient family wishes. And uh, I just really realized that spiritual care plays such a key role in, in the whole person wellness. One story that sticks out to me, um, it wasn't a, a palliative care patient initially. It was mm-hmm. an acute care patient that, uh, that was, you know, I had visited them in the, in the ED. Um, and then they started to have some distress and ultimately wound up in ICU. And I continued to follow that patient. And one of the things that occurred uh, was that I was spending a significant amount of time with that patient's family in the Mm -hmm. waiting room. And I functioned as uh, the bridge between the nursing staff and the family, uh, communicating what I was observing and what was going on. And it was very difficult. Uh, it was it was it was one of those situations where um, I saw that the nursing staff was was having a hard time, um, uh, and I saw that the family was having a hard time. And it was chaplaincy, spiritual care delivery, to both of those entities at the same time. Um, I can't tell you how many hours I put in on that shift that day. I just know I stayed until uh, until it was done, and and that patient ultimately wound up dying. And what made it so so heartbreaking was, you know, the patient didn't have any other complications. He was going along his his normal everyday life, and so that entire encounter that was not what the family thought that they were going to experience when they got up that morning. And uh, and I was there to to comfort the family. I was there to facilitate additional uh, religious support, and likewise, I was able to comfort the the staff. Um, there were a lot of unexpected things, and there were some some very very close associations uh, that were happening. Um, nurses were reliving reliving their own personal experiences. And it was a lot of positive tears, and uh, and I stayed in there, and uh, I'm I'm so glad that I did, and it, it changed me. It, it made me uh, it made me a better a better man, I would say. So, in a sense, in their pain and in that process, you found your true calling. I would say that yes. How did it change you? Well, having suffered loss myself. Um, I was able to identify with the weight, with the pain, with the hurt. And I too was able to shed some tears. And mm. and though I, I didn't disclose what my own personal experience was, when you when you cry with someone, when you cry with a family, they see that it's visible. 
And they can translate that however they choose to. Mm. Um, and I feel like that is a, a prime example, example of being uh, used as an instrument of God to provide comfort and care because really we're social beings. And the idea of just being close to someone to ameliorate their suffering is what life is all about. Mm. So how did you uh, transition uh, from the hospital to hospice? Well, it was it was a, uh, a call that I received uh, from a local hospice company. And um, they were looking for uh, a way in which to enhance their, their program. Mm. And I just had a, a conversation. You know, we just talked. And I kind of took it as they were just trying to pick my brain. Then lo and behold, it was an interview. <laughs> and uh, I, I wound up going to work for this, this little hospice company out of Biloxi, Mississippi, and um, fully integrated into the interdisciplinary team. And I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't uh, a spiritual triage going from room to room in 15 minutes and, you know, being subject to a patient list. I mean, I had a patient list, but, you know, I was able to just take my time. Mm. You know, I was able to just be uh, in the homes and, um, and, and I don't have a lot of hair, but I was able to let my hair down, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and listen to, listen to stories. I, I especially love being a veteran myself. You know, I, I love when I'm able to, to visit the home of a, of a World War II veteran and, and hear their stories, you know, um, to, to be transported into another time. It, it, it just, it blows me away how, you know, even in the midst of, uh, having dementia there are there are spots that patients can recall very uh, important times of their lives and i get to sit in those moments with them one one patient that comes to mind um the old air force uh old air force veteran um down in uh down in gulfport mississippi um and yeah he was he was diagnosed with uh with uh, advanced dementia and um, he had severe weakness, and um, but he had lived a very full life. Um, when when his wife greeted me at the door, uh, uh, she had gotten word that uh, that I was an Air Force veteran as well, and mm. and 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 she you know graciously had, you know welcomed me in, and and she she whispers as I'm as she's walking me to his room, you know. He, he, he loves to talk about the military. He loves to t talk about his stories. So, you know, let him know that you're a veteran. And, uh, and so I did, I did, uh, you know, he, you know, he was, his, his face just changed when he lit up and said, Oh, you're air force too. I said, yes, sir. And, uh, and he just got to talking about all the places that he'd been and to Germany. And, and then he made, he made his way all the way to, uh, Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi, and each place he was able to talk about all the friends that he had made and all the wonderful things that he had done, and 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 I found myself close. You know, it's one thing to, you know, I, I stood at the at the foot of his bed, mm. and then 
And then in the midst of that, his wife had brought me a, a chair and I was sitting. <laughs> I was sitting <laughs> side by side to him. And and um, he talked about some, some very tough experiences as well. And as he did, I noticed that his hand moved from his chest to, to his right side. And I leaned in and, and, and grabbed hold of his hand. Mm. And I just said, you know, brother, we're, we made it. We're here. Mm. And he, a tear just fell from his eye. And um, it's, a, it's a special moment because I knew that camaraderie was important to him. You yes. know, yes. Um, that connection. And, and then in the blink of an eye, uh, he had kind of lost time. And uh, I think that a part of him uh, was able to be in that moment with some of the folks that he served with, that he wasn't seeing me, he was seeing them. Mm. And, that, and that was the role that I, that I was supposed to play. Um, mm. And it really became not about me at all. You know, it was really, uh, it was really that moment that he was able to, to have a really good experience. And, and his wife was grateful for that as well. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at NAMI.org. Uh, welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Charles James Parker. James, uh, tell us more about the Spiritual Care Association and the hospice division of it. Well, I tell you, the, the Spiritual Care Association as a whole is, uh, I mean, it is filled with pioneers of the industry. Uh, I, I remember in, in seminary, I remember uh, in my CPE, you know, reading literature and seeing these names, you know, like George Hanzo and uh, Kevin Massey. And I never once thought that I would ever actually meet these people. And uh, not only have I met them, but I've, I've gotten to work with them and, and work closely with them. And they are, um, it's just a great group of people. You know, we have, we have our, our regular meetings as a team and, um, we laugh together, you know, we, we, we crack jokes on each other and, uh, and just have a good time just being who we are. And uh, I, I'm honored, uh, truly blessed to be among not just uh, true experts and pioneers in the field, but just some really down-to-earth good people. And, and the hospice division in and of itself, you know, I had the privilege of, of taking the division over uh, uh, by my predecessor, uh, Jim Andrews. And Jim, he's the one who started the division. He's the one who, who introduced it to uh, the CEO, Eric Hall, and, and, um, and said, hey, there's a, there's a lot of hospice chaplains out there that could, could really use some guidance and some encouragement. And, and, and Eric was like, okay, great, go for it. And he started this division. And, um, and then I, I joined the division uh, as a member and I had been um, just, you know, 
just participating and 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 I cultivated a relationship with Jim Andrews, um, who I also served on another committee with, and and we got to be really close friends. And um, you know, Jim is also a pioneer, uh, and so he he decided to take on some some other roles. And he calls me up and says, "Hey, Charles, would you be interested in uh, leading the hospice division for Spiritual Care Association?" I was like, "What?" Uh, sure, I I I think so, <laughs> and uh, and that and that began, and 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 what I realized is that um, a lot of, of of the concepts that he had put forward, a lot of the things that he'd set in place, I was really already into. I was really already doing. I mean, we're talking about you know professional chaplaincy and 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 being um, you know part of a community of chaplains. Uh, that promotes spiritual care and the benefits of spiritual care in a hospice team. You know, um, I talked a little bit earlier about my about my family. You know, my hospice team family, and that expands. You know, it's expanded in in the spiritual care association. In that, I we we have nurses and we have social workers and and people that are working together, and um, and it's about the advancement of of, of spiritual care. Um, talking about essential high aspects of whole person care. And, and, and that's, that's who I am. Um, you know, I feel like when I interact with a patient and their family, they should get the best of me. Uh, you know, you know, I need to be informed and, and, and I need to be, uh, willing to collaborate with others. Uh, and that, and that's pretty much what the mission is, you know, taking care of myself, uh, through education and mentoring and, and, and really looking for, for a way to be a resource to other folks that are out there doing the same thing I'm doing day in and day out. So what advice do you give someone that wants to join the Spiritual Care Association? What advice do I give for someone wanting to join the Spiritual Care Association? Yeah, to be a, a professional yeah. chaplain and be part of the Spiritual Care Association. I think, honestly, it, it is about being a professional chaplain, right? Um, uh, I, I think, honestly, the first thing um, would be to recognize that where you are, wh- where where you are as an individual, as a a person, and why you do what you do is the is the very first thing to consider. You know, um, I believe that it's important to know yourself and your limits, and so. It's, as chaplains, you know, you know, um, we have to look to expand spiritual care knowledge and, and increase our desire to serve in hospice. Um, I would encourage anyone uh, to become familiar with uh, the difference between palliative care and hospice. You know, be reflective and self-reflective about terminal illness and the dying process and what it means to contribute to the quality of life for patients and their families. Um, I think next, I believe that to be a professional in any discipline at all, you know, it does require education and training and experience. Um, you know, hospice chaplains should have access to to this high-quality uh I would say spiritual care information and be adept and and specialized in spiritual care components of the whole person. Um, 
And that might that means enrollment and, and completion of clinical pastoral education. I feel like it's a building block in this regard. Um, and then probably lastly, I would say it is absolutely important for us to, as chaplains, to have a sanctified dissatisfaction with where we are professionally, no matter what our phase of development is. You know, um, if if you have completed CPE, a unit of CPE, go ahead and get another one. <laughs> you know, if you've done that, go ahead and put a package together for board certification. Um, there, there are so many ways to to continue to grow, and, and growth in, in our profession is is vitally important. So, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? I would say, as chaplains, we're we're in the people business, right? Um, so, my best resource in life are the people that I'm in relationship with. Um, I've had mentors that have helped me a great deal over the years, and uh, and I think that that is kind of a Ted peg. Another great resource that's helped me is being involved in various professional organizations. Right? With membership, I've been subject to maintaining high standards uh, for spiritual care delivery and, and overall conduct. Now, I do a great deal of reading and and writing, and, and I don't know if our listeners share in that in that activity. But um, I think that having access to current articles and various literature keeps me informed about the ebb and flow of our profession. Um, but most of all, these organizations that I mean, they have enabled me to be connected with with chaplains from every location and culture. You know, spiritual care. And or- Spiritual Care Association and other organizations have have been outstanding in that regard. Um, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, right? Despite all of the tragedy, difficulty, and stressors, one of the best things that have emerged is the relationships and connections that I've made with chaplains all over. I feel very, very fortunate as a result of that. Mm. So as the new uh, Spiritual Care Association Director of the Hospice Division, what is your agenda for this year? I don't know if we have a whole lot of time, but uh, I will say that it's <laughs> been it's been so exciting. Uh, you know, 2021, I- I'm excited about it. The, the overall agenda for, for the division focuses on the importance of spiritual care education, hospice chaplaincy training, uh, spiritual care leadership in the, in the next month. Coming up February 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Spiritual Care Association is hosting, uh, and I will be moderating, a panel discussion entitled Chief Spiritual Officers Advocating for Spiritual Care Leadership in Hospice. So this will be followed by um, the SCA Hospice Division Quarterly Meeting March 25th, and then beginning the second quarter, I'll be participating in the 2021 Caring for the Human Spirit Conference, April 12th to the 14th, which I am really looking forward to. Um, now, each month and each quarter has uh, has been planned out for, for the year with events scheduled for each. And, and the overall agenda has been set to the division members, uh, but it is soon to be posted on the Spiritual Care Association site, which is spiritualcareassociation.org. Um, there you can find everything about SCA, 
membership info, certification guidance, education, various divisions, and of course, the upcoming Carrot for the Human Spirit Conference in April. Mm. So where do you feel the field of hospice chaplaincy? Where do you believe the field should go? Well, I believe it is our responsibility as spiritual care specialists to communicate what we do and the outcomes associated with doing it. Um, as with anything, when, when you're prepared in, in, your, in your profession and in your practice, you're more likely to demonstrate confidence about it. That's how I feel. Uh, chaplaincy has shown itself to be more than, like I said earlier, just holding hands and praying for people. You know, um, in fact, you know, what we contribute to holistic care is essential. You know, the Spiritual Care Association, like I mentioned, has put out these white papers. Um, there's one article in particular that stands out for me. It, it's entitled Time to Move Forward. And I, f- I feel like it, it, it's what I believe to be the foundational framework of the answer to this question. You know, today we have a new model that defines, delivers, trains, and tests for the provision of high quality spiritual care. We are heading in that direction. That's the, that, that is what other disciplines have done and have been successful. And when we do that, we can hold each other accountable. You know, we can, we can say if you're a professional chaplain, then you are subject to uh, a scope of practice. You are subject to a standard. And if you don't meet that, um, then, then correction action needs to be made. And, and then on top of that, you have, to, you have to recertify. You know, you have to stay up to speed on this information and on this knowledge. And so it, it's all collaboration. You know, you do what you need to do. Um, to get where you need to go, but at the same time, when you're in the field, there is a partnership with with uh, with your leadership and the companies that you work for. And when they see that, it it, it shows quality. It shows uh, seriousness of profession. I don't want to ever feel like, um, as a chaplain, I'm less important than any other any other team member. I think that we as chaplains are responsible to communicate that. And, and so that's what I've kind of taken on. You know, I, I've taken on the role of advocate and I feel like that is the direction that our field has to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, have to, we have to fight for ourselves. Um, I've said this in many different settings, but, uh, you know, we there's a table that exists with all these leaders and decision makers sitting around it and there's an empty chair there and that's the chaplain's seat hmm. and the only thing that that that's that's missing is someone sitting in the seat and we have to i feel like no longer can we say we don't have a voice we have a voice i feel like no longer can we you know um make up ideas about what we do no we know exactly what we do and we know the importance of it and, and I'm passionate about that. And, and I feel like now, having been through a pandemic, having provided comfort and compassion in various different settings, um, I did some volunteer work, you know, talking to folks in New York on the phone and, and just being with them in the midst of all this. No one can tell me that chaplaincy, spiritual care delivery, is not important. And I feel like the more informed I am, the more educated I am, um, 
the more confidence I'll have in having those conversations. You know, if you look at the amount of education that a chaplain has in relationship to many nurses in the field, Mm -hmm. you will find that advanced degrees are dominant. A master's in divinity from a seminary is not an easy win. That's hard work. Um, When you get a, a doctorate of ministry or a doctorate of education or, you know, that a PhD, that is blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and so if if you look at that educational level in conjunction with the amount of salary or or wage, it doesn't line up, not at all. And that's because we haven't been advocating for ourselves. We haven't been saying, hey, hold on, this is not right. Um, and And we've taken the position of, because we are religious leaders, clergy, that somehow we we should not have these conversations about money and position and authority and 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 we need to stop that. Um, we we need to take our seat at the table and talk talk about what's going on, talk about what we see and how we feel and the direction um, uh, that we should be heading for the benefit of our patients, because that's the ultimate point. You know, if if we don't step up and talk to our coworkers and talk to our leaders about the benefits of spiritual care, then our patients, we cannot honestly say that they are getting high quality care if they're not getting high quality spiritual care. Um, and and that's, I'm very passionate about that. And, and that's, what, uh, that's what I really think we should be doing. Well said. What are your final thoughts? I I don't know if I have final thoughts, Saul. I got thoughts always, but <laughs> final thoughts. I would I, I would I would just like to encourage uh, listeners. Um, you know, be courageous. Um, know your worth. You are more important than than you think you are. Um, and and let's you know be willing to have these conversations. Is not just about talking about best practice. Let, let, let's talk about the things that we can do and, and the experiences that we've had with our cohorts in CPE and take that CPE model and bring it to our organizations. You know, create some internal training so that we can build confidence and we can communicate to the leadership uh, what's in the best interest of our patients and families. And I'm open to conversations about this topic with anybody. I love talking about this. So uh, please reach out to me, call me. I'd, I'd love to hear from you and, and we can go from there. So how can the people get a hold of you? So the SCA Hospice, Hospice Division website is www.spiritualcareassociation.org forward slash hospice. And it contains a great deal of information as well as my contact information. So uh, I, you can call, email, and uh, and if I don't if I don't answer you right away, it's because I'm probably in a visit or in a meeting. But I promise I'll get back to you. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I would love to encourage you to sign up for the uh, Caring for the Human uh, Spirit Conference uh, with the Spiritual Care Association. That was Chaplain Charles James Parker. Thank you for listening. Audio Hive Podcasting in Joliet, Illinois. 
Audio Hive Podcasting is a studio dedicated to podcast recording, editing, and production. For more information, you can find us at audiohivepodcasting.com. 